This episode of Sig Neutron Sputron brought to you by... Wang Dangle Dingles. The wangliest, the dangliest, the dingliest of Wang Dang Dingles. What's up, everybody? It's your old pal, Sig Neutron. And man, I have been, it has been a hot minute since I've done uh, an episode of the podcast. And I, well, I did the one with Cecil not too long ago, but you know, I want to jump back in. And uh, man, I've just been learning so much over the past few months and uh, kind of slacking on putting out the episodes. But I'm going to condense all of everything that I've been learning and uh, input, and then I will output it back to you guys. Uh, <laughs> so I figured it's, I've done a lot of thinking about irreverentism. Uh, and so now this episode, I'm going to update the tenets of irreverentism, the loose tenets, because, you know, I mean, basically irreverentism you don't have to do anything but you know it's a structure in which to think a new lens to view the world and to do that you have to define things so (laughs) um man i saw this show midnight gospel which totally blew me away it's it's funny it's about uh this it's on netflix you absolutely have to watch it uh duncan trussell and pendleton ward came together to uh make this super philosophical spaced out trippy show where they take audio from Duncan's podcast and they animate it and it's all talking about like really philosophical deep concepts magic all the kind of stuff that I've been talking about and I was like blown away to actually like I was like holy shit other people are thinking this stuff too this is amazing and uh and and they're also using like absurd irreverent humor for the animations and I'm like this is so irreverentism so what's really cool is to see that the genre of irreverentism is also developing outside of me in in other ways you know like it's like i just started bringing all of these ideas together to create a concept of a genre and then i see things starting to manifest and it's making it's making me think that well it's it's lending credence to me personally that i believe that there is something to this collective consciousness and we see society shifting in certain ways in certain ways of thinking and they're open to new concepts and now we're going to start seeing all of this like philosophical existential content start to be filtering into the media and you know and then they talk about meditation and all this so it's like this is where we're headed uh this is where society is headed from here i think it's the next step in human evolution um but so it's yeah the main character clancy just goes to different worlds and interviews people and also like writes silly funny songs and i'm like holy shit like i'm fucking i'm the real life clancy so if if clancy is is an archetype i am a clancyan archetype (laughs) So in addition to finding Midnight Gospel, uh, I've also, my friend Chet Czar told me about Robert Anton Wilson and uh, this documentary called Maybe Logic. Um, Man, Robert Anton Wilson is an awesome uh, mind. Uh, He passed away, but I wish I could have just like talked to him. But um, he was into discordianism and... um, and then there's so the, yeah, there's these concepts that people were playing in these same realms of thought that I've there. So there's there's absurdism, uh, which this is an old concept, but basically it says that, that the absurd arises out of a fundamental disharmony between the individual search for meaning and the meaningless of the universe. And so it's like I don't know if I don't know if the universe is necessarily meaningless, 
So it's like, I don't fully, I don't know if I fully see things through absurdism, but it's way similar to what I was, you know, I always talk about like, it just life makes no sense and embrace the, the chaos and the absurdity. Uh, and then I find out, oh, there's absurdism. So that was really cool. And then Discordianism. Uh, so Discordians believe there's no distinction between order and disorder, since they're both man-made conceptual divisions of a, the pure element of chaos. So only by rejecting those principles can you truly perceive reality as it is, which is chaos. And so they put big emphasis on like Eris, which is the goddess of like Discordianism and uh you know, they, they appreciate chaos just as much as order. And I'm, I'm into that because I, I am a being of chaos and I, you know, I, I, I embrace that. And I realize that chaos is important for change. It's, it's very, and so chaos is just as important as order, just like the yin and the yang. It's, uh, it's two principles that drive progress in the universe. And this is, uh, probably one of my longest intros that I've done. So, um, yeah, I'm Sig Neutron, and uh, this is uh, Sig Neutron Sputron. I almost forgot how to do an intro. <laughs> it's been that long. Sig Neutron Sputron. Sig Neutron Sleazy Sputron. So, first of all, I know I've been dropping them all on getting episodes out of every Monday, but I'm going to try to get back in that habit again. So, you can expect episodes every Monday. Uh, whether you get them or not I remains to be seen, but I will do my best. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, there's just so much that I want to talk about. So I started uh, writing a post every day on Facebook, and I have like every single day I wrote something philosophical or what I learned that day or something. So the next few episodes that are coming up, I'm going to do a monthly recap until we catch up, and then uh, I'll start with January and, you know, yeah, and then... Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you that. Anyways, let's get to the new tenets of irreverentism. Uh, and this is just, so irreverentism always is and will be a fluid movement of thought, a genre, um, just a blanket brank, a term for, <laughs> that is a, a blanket and um, I was an umbrella term. So, I, geez, words. Um <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so it's always going to be changing because you, you shouldn't be rigid in the way that you view things and think things. Um, but here is what I've been thinking. And uh, all right, so the first tenet, know that you don't know. So I've been trying to avoid speaking in absolutes as much as possible and also use the word maybe as many times as I can. Because if we start replacing the word is with maybe, then, you know, it's... Basically, I got this idea from watching uh, Maybe Logic and Robert Anton Wilson and the whole cosmic schmuck. Uh, he says, the more that we acknowledge that we are cosmic schmucks and that we don't know, the more that we're admitting that we don't know and the less that we actually become cosmic schmucks. So <laughs> to admit that you don't know is actually, in a sense, more enlightened than to assume that you know. Uh, because the world, the universe is vast and these concepts are so huge and it's ever-changing, and there's always more to learn. So just know that you don't know. And, man, it makes arguments so much easier. Like, I've been so less stressed out talking to people online. I just, like, I'm just like, yeah, dude, I don't know. 
uh, here's what I think. <laughs> and then I've just, I've been avoiding, well, not even avoiding, I've just haven't even really gotten into ridiculous political arguments or arguments about a lot of things, really. Uh, you know, it's like I've stopped arguing numbers or statistics or like political timelines of who did what and did, because like, honestly, man, like, I don't fucking know. And I know whoever I'm arguing with doesn't fucking know. Like, we think we know, and we can do our best. We can watch all the YouTube videos. We can do all the research. We can sift through all of the disinformation. But we don't know. We're living in the disinformation era. And it's such a big collective problem that I feel like <clears throat> there's a point to it. I don't know what the point is yet, but there's something. There's something there. So, yeah. Hence the, no, you don't know. And it's freeing, and it's and it's nice, and it's... Uh, very low key, low stress. <laughs> All right, so the next tenant. Individuality is the ultimate expression of personal truth. So, you're, and I noticed I said personal truth because I think that's important. I, I, I'm playing with the concept of truth and what it actually is and, and how paradoxical everything is. The truth is a, a strange thing, but I think that personal truth seems like a much more attainable and sensical concept. Um, but then, I mean, you run up into things of like, when your personal truth impedes on others, I think the, your personal truth can't impede on another person. Is that, I think that's, that's how you know that it is tr the right truth. I don't know. I mean, well, maybe the point is to impede on other people. Who knows? But anyways, individuality is the ultimate expression of personal truth. <clears throat> So your personal answers to the nature of your own existence are as unique to you as your own fingerprint or your DNA. Like, we are a grand puzzle that can only be solved when the individual pieces put themselves together. You're a fractal piece of the universal puzzle, and only when you put your personal puzzle together do you begin to see where you fit into the bigger picture. The more you project your purest, the purest manifestation of your individual self, the more you actually inspire other people to do so. Like, I always use the backflip analogy. If I'd never seen anyone do a backflip, I would think backflips are impossible. But now that I've seen someone do it, then I could practice and I know I could do a backflip. Maybe, with enough practice. <laughs> so this is the, one of the main goals of irreverentism. Uh, is to inspire individuals to become the best versions of themselves, whatever that means to them. There is no one-size-fits-all. We're all so uniquely diverse and different, and that's amazing and beautiful, and I fucking love that. I embrace differences. I don't, I, I can't wrap my head around why people want to be the same. Like, oh, be different, be you, embrace it, have fun. But, you know, we all have a place and we all have a purpose, but we've just let society confuse and convince us that we don't. So the more individuals living their personal truths, the more we, come, we become a collective living its collective truth. So maybe that's, that's how you find it. That's how you find that the collective truth is through the pursuit of individual truth or personal truth. So to continue on with the truth, here's the next tenet. The truth is absurd, and to find it, one must be absurd. I like that one. It's just a, I like little sound-biteable phrases. <laughs> um, but I think you can't understand the vast and deep mysteries of consciousness through limited thinking. Like, everything is impossible until it isn't. And if you don't even know what the fuck you are, how the fuck do you know anything, really? Like, I have no fucking clue what I am. 
So how can I make an absolute statement about anything, really? I live in the land of possibilities. And, you know, and irreverent humor is a great tool for exploring deep and uncomfortable concepts and untangling the human mess. Like, if you want to, like, stand-up comedians are amazing at this. They tell jokes about the dark side of people, and then we laugh about it, and then we relate, and we're like, ah, fuck, that guy does that same thing, too. I thought that it was just me, but nope, that guy does it, too. Well, maybe I'm not a fucking piece of shit. (laughs) It's like, this is how we untangle the human mess by admitting our faults and our shadows and and i don't know just like to me i'm just like i don't give a shit you know (laughs) like i'm just here doing my best to figure this shit out and and enjoy and interact with people along the way that they're trying to figure that shit out too maybe we can figure it out together (laughs) so the next tenant never be afraid to think in a direction even if it's wrong exploring the realm of maybe is vast There's much to be learned by viewing the world through different lenses, even if they may not be the true lens. So sometimes I have, like, I'd hear a conspiracy theory, and I would be like, man, what if the world was like that? What what could I learn from that? What picture does that paint? What truths can I distill from just conceptualizing that specific scenario? You know, like, I know it's, it's not the truth, but then I say, what if it was? Like, I love doing that. What if it was? I've learned a lot of, you know, like I've done a lot of like philosophical growth just through saying like, what if it was? So that brings me to the next tenant. Adaptability and the willingness to accept new information is paramount to balance and growth. So if you're rigid in thought, you can be broken. Like if you're you just like, someone can snap you right over and you'll just have a meltdown. But if you're fluid in thought, then you can easily maneuver through life's problems more efficiently and distill the truth more easily. For example, I don't know, just go to politics, you know, like a Trump supporter, you tell them something and they just snap. It's like, no, they they don't even say like, huh, maybe, Uh, what if that? Like maybe, let me just enrich my view of the world by saying, hmm, maybe. No, they just like snap and they break down and then it's like into the world, you know? So be fluid and and just go with the flow and and see what information arises to you and enjoy that and assimilate that information and start building a bigger picture of the world because you really don't know what it is in the first place. (laughs) So any source is a good source as you know, I mean, as long as you I guess where that runs into problems is like when you start making decisions based on absolute sources, but then you're actually you're a much better decision maker if you make decisions based on no absolutes. Does that make sense? Because if I know I don't know, then I'll take a more balanced approach to a problem than going to either extreme because I think I know one of the absolute extremes. So next tenant is balance above all. Balance is so key and so important. The unseen has taught us like so many, like a lot of the lessons that I learned from them, it always comes back to uh, the, you know, the, uh, balance and it, like living the middle pillar, they call it in Kabbalah, Kabbalah. Um, and it, it's like, I guess that's that, you know, living in the man of, man of Laby, <laughs> living in the man of Laby. Oh my God. I got to write that down. Living in the land of maybe. I want to write a song about that. The man of Laby. 
Hold on, I gotta pause the, the recording and write that down right now. So, the future Sputron song, Mand of Laby. That reminds me, I was also trying to start uh, getting the word Laby going. I love this thing, I like, I love just trying to float words that, and, and like, it's, it's my mission to like start sticking them in the public lexicon. Uh, but like Laby, like it's Lady Baby. Like, what's up, Laby? But yeah, I don't know. I think it's funny. I said it on the Boulay Brothers Dragula, and it made it into an episode. So, <laughs> start, start, start saying it. S say Laby. Help me out here. <laughs> and I encourage you to start floating your own nonsensical words into the the public dictionary too. I mean, words just have, they're just sounds that have whatever meaning we apply to them. So, you know, <laughs> have fun with it. Uh, but yes, balance. Um, so pursue dynamic balance. So because true balance is actually stagnant. Think of it this way. So think of a scale that is equally balanced, right? You got equal parts on both sides and nothing moves. Everything is still. So like perfect balance is, is almost kind of stagnant. It doesn't move. So dynamic balance is, is movement and it's, you know, flowing and there's a harmony to it and a rhythm to it. And you can also illustrate this by the musical scale. So the perfect fifth is the, on a musical scale, is the note that's like right in the center and it's like the perfect balance note. And so you, there, there are seven notes on the scale. So you have two above the fifth, the perfect fifth, and you have four notes below it. And the slight off balance drives progress. So to apply this concept to your life, make mistakes, explore, live life, try things out, move, but always move in a way that you can find your way back to center. See, and this comes from like personal work and really working through your own traumas so that you have a solid foundation in which to explore life experience that you can always make it back to square one and then pull all of those things that you learn from all like the off balance uh, back into your center pillar and assimilate that information. But when you do that, you also have to purge the, the traumas of making mistakes, because you're gonna make mistakes. But, and you can carry the weight of those mistakes, or you can just carry the knowledge of those mistakes and drop the weight. Because knowledge isn't heavy, knowledge uplifts. Trauma pulls you down. And if you're learning, you're never wasting time. So recognize the value in all experiences, both good and bad. There really isn't any such thing as good or bad. There's only movement. And I know that that's a really interesting concept to dive down. Uh, I might do a full episode on just like good and evil one of these days. But, you know, yeah, there's really just movement and action and doing. So which brings me to the next tenant. There is no such thing as failure, only experimentation. <laughs> so it all really boils down to either you did or you didn't do something. Failure is nothing more than an outcome of an action. It's, you know, what's most important is taking the action in the first place. The scientists fail all the time, but they just call it an experiment. Can you imagine if they were like afraid of failing? Then we'd never learn anything through science. <laughs> so you have to be okay with failure. Redefine what failure means to you. Because failure is just... Like I said, it's it's one of like a possible outcome, but you still put in the work and you still learn something from that experience, so it's not a failure. And now, um, as I dive into a lot of the spiritual work and stuff, I find myself butting up against my own ego at times, and um, 
So the next tenet is identify the ego and utilize its value and minimize its flaws. So actually the Midnight Gospel is a perfect example is because like when I first saw the show, I was like angry. I was like, oh man, this, this, what, this is what I've been doing for like the last over like a year and a half. And now this show came out and it's like, that's almost like my idea. And like, I knew a part of me, like, you know, the show is way, like, I would never do what Midnight Gospel is doing. And Midnight Gospel is not doing what I'm doing because we, you are the only you that exists. So whatever, however you gather information, assimilate it, and then put it back out is, is specific to you. And just because they're touching on the same themes and stuff, like, doesn't mean they're taking anything away from me. If anything, they're, like I said, they're building the genre outside of me, and it's like a whole movement of thought. So it's like, it's building this, like, scene. And, like, that's amazing and excited. But then, but, like, my ego was like, whoa, it was just, like, flopping around like a, a wet, tarry fish or something. And I had done so much alchemical, spiritual work and getting to know myself that I knew exactly when my ego was talking. And I was, and then I just dealt with it. I just sat with it. And I was like, all right, ego, dude, like, what's up, man? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, you feel that way. And you are a part of me. So in turn, I feel that way. So I'm not going to admit it or I'm not going to deny it. I'm going to sit with it and I'm going to, and then I actually like told my friend about it. And I was just like, was really honest with how I felt. And in a way, like, I purged the whole ego because I acknowledged it. So if ever you, once you start to identify your ego and you feel the ego starting to take over, maybe try just telling somebody how, like, it's got to be somebody that you really, like, care about and that cares about you and that you can trust and just tell them how you feel, like, all the ugly parts of how you feel. Vocalize it, externalize it, and then you purge it uh, because you've acknowledged the ego and really, you know what, that's all the ego wants it's this little screamy toddler, like, look at me, look at me, 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 me. <laughs> and like, you take some time, you acknowledge your ego, and then it's happy. And it's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> you know, like, um, the ego is a powerful driving force. We need it because we are individuals of, we are individual manifestations of the collective, collective whole, right? So we need a, an individual driving force. So it's really important. We can't, we can't lose the ego. Uh, is, is important to function in this world and it's a powerful driving force, but it can also push you into hubris So the more you get to know your shadow the more you understand when your ego helps and hinders you and the more you dive into spiritual growth The more it can feed the ego because you start to feel enlightened and you're feeling all of these deeper truths like flowing into you And it's a really powerful feeling um, But you know that can also feed that ego and that's why a lot of new age spiritual people or people that think they're enlightened can start thinking they're better than, than other people or something. And, and that's totally not the case, man. So, you know, it takes a lot of work to gain a deeper understanding of oneself. But no matter how far along you get in your spiritual path, you are never better than anyone else. You've just moved into a new realm of thought and understanding that anyone can attain. So just because of what you know, knowledge, anyone, like you can be like anyone just by thinking like anyone. So we're all just playing in realms of thought that are equally, that everyone has equal access to. Whether they get there or not is a different story, but that doesn't make them any less of a person than you are because they haven't like pursued the same way of thought. So always, always, always stay humble. You know, every single person you interact with is a chance to learn something new because everybody, like I say, we're just 
input-output devices. And the way that we assimilate information that we input is totally different than, than anybody. So everybody always has their own unique take on things. So that brings me to the next tenant is that never capitalize the I in irreverentism. So this is a show that no one is above or below anyone else. We're all just different perspectives in which to view the same universe. And only through combining all perspectives can we see the bigger picture. We're all important. We're all, each, we're all letters in an individual word that makes a, a collective sentence, which makes, writes a collective novel that is the never-ending story that is existence. So we're all, we all have a role to play. We're all important. And we're all telling this story together. How fucking awesome is that? We're collectively telling the greatest story ever told, man. I think that's pretty badass. Next tenant. Wisdom hides in all things. So your life and everything that happens to you is a lesson in disguise. Knowledge encrypted into the code of your story. By recognizing this, this like one can you know you can distill the wisdom from all experiences in life, especially the negative ones. So believing there is a deeper meaning to all experiences helps co- cultivate what I like to call emotional efficiency, which is experiencing the wide spectrum of emotions and listening to what they have to teach. You know, you can work through traumas much faster if you focus your intent. You're like, oh. My life is, you know, this, when I started understanding alchemy better, like the Negretto phase helped me understand that, oh, okay, so if the universe is trying to help me along in my progression, then why the fuck is this shit happening? It's a shit show. Ah, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And then I realized, like, from paying attention that every time that that's happened, I've learned something really amazing that has helped me in my growth. So if you know that every like crazy stressful situation you find yourself in, there is knowledge hidden in that. Well, then you find that knowledge and then it makes that situation make sense. And it's easier to deal with the traumas and the stresses of such negative situations when you know that some some lessons can only be taught through negative experience. So if you know that, it, it, then you'd start developing emotional efficiency and you can handle it much easier and much more efficiently and get through it and not hold on to that weight of the trauma. Just take the, you know, the knowledge and, and leave the weight behind. Next tenant, recognize universal law. So the deeper that you dig, the more you'll begin to see that the universe operates on a set of laws and principles. Uh, think of it like, uh, you know, math and numbers like numbers and math like that shit works and it just it is that's like the language of everything like you can't can't really dispute how math works you know or geometry or something like that it just it does so and the universe operates on those laws and principles and math and st- you know it's like music sounds good because the math is correct how fucking weird is that you know <laughs> but the law of man is not the law of the universe like, or the law of human, human, I start saying, like, I, I try to be conscious, I'm just going to start saying, like, human instead of man, I don't know, I mean, the man makes more of an impact, but, like, I don't know, I'm just going to say human, because I try to be, oh, you know, like, considerate of all of the gender expressions that are taking place, because I think that's a very powerful and important um, avenue for us all to explore is, is gender, uh, but that's for totally another uh, episode. But yes, the law of human is not the law of the universe. So we intuitively, here's what I think. This is my theory. All of these are my theories. And 
like I said, I don't speak in absolutes. And if I do say something that sounds like an absolute, know that it's a maybe because I, I just I want everyone to know that, that when they interact with me, everything I say is always a maybe. But sometimes you just have like saying maybe all the time doesn't really get a point across. I don't know. But yeah, so now you know that. But anyways, here's my theory. We intuitively know these universal principles, yet the law of human often contradicts what we feel, feel to be true. So we're steeped in a story of trauma and suffering. Like look at, you know, World War II, slavery, all of this stuff. That's a part of our, like what makes us who we are and where we're at today. We're a post-traumatic society living in disorder. You know, if, if the law of human does not respect you, do not respect the law of human. And I mean, I suppose like if you start thinking down that path, it could lead to like anarchy and things like that. But like, that's not what I'm trying to condone here. I'm trying to condone that like uh, basic human respect and, and values to, for one another. You know what I mean? And a lot of society and laws that we have today do not respect people. And I don't think that those laws or those ways of thinking should be respected if they don't respect people. So eventually you come to realize that human life makes no sense because nothing may not have any intrinsic meaning. You know, only the story we tell around things gives it any sort of meaning. Like, you know, there could be a, a, an old coin or something and that coin could have been owned by Thomas Jefferson. And then now everybody, that coin ends up in a museum because it was owned by Thomas Jefferson who had a story that he told around his avatar body of Thomas Jefferson. So that being the story around Thomas Jefferson gave that inanimate coin actually a story and a value because of the person, you know, it's like, this is, this is how we develop meaning, you know? And I think Earth humans at this point in space-time have placed high value on empty, unfulfilling concepts, which has pulled from pulled us from blah, which has pulled the will of human away from the will of the universe. And I think that's why everyone feels so lost. Like we intuitively understand universal will, but we live in a world that rejects it daily. And when the world is crazy, the crazy will save the world. I believe that, and I think that. You know, irreverentism is is a, w the way that I'm developing it. And again, like I said, maybe I'm I will only be the only irreverentist there is, but it's how I see the world. And then this is the antithesis to everything that I see wrong with our current society. And I just think about it daily, and I try to like, well, what would be the response to it? And that's irreverentism. Well, uh, let's take a break here because uh, I got I got all chatty Kathy, and I forgot that. Uh, yeah, so this is a good time to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah, welcome to the party, bro. Did you bring them? <laughs> yeah, fam. You know I was bringing not the wangliest, not the dangliest, but the dingliest wang dang dingles, bro. <laughs> Are those wang dang dingles? Holy fucking fuck! I fucking love Wang Dang Dingles! Ah. Bruh, stop haranguing about Wang Dang Dingles. I just want to hang out with my Wang Dangles out, fam. You know, get my dangle in all those angles. You know what I'm saying? Wang Dang Dingles. 
brings me to the next tenant of have fun (laughs) so like i this is okay so this might seem like the most simple tenant yet of irreverentism but in fact it is one of the hardest to cultivate like this took me forever to get and it's i still struggle with this but whatever you're doing wherever you are do your best to have fun doing it the more you enjoy all aspects of your life, the more you honor the never-ending story. And, you know, life almost becomes a game. It, it's, it's all a matter of shifting perspectives and building a structure, a lens to view the world in which you can find fulfillment and enjoyment. And, and yeah, even in the shitty times, there, there's a way. It's tough. Uh, and it usually during, at the present moment of shitty things, there. It's not enjoyable, but you know it's not supposed to be. It's it's a it's just a different flavor of life, and we like different flavors. You know, no great song is just one note. You know, there's highs and lows, ups and downs, and think of your life as a beautiful song, or you know, a, a dish of I don't know, like the different ingredients put together, all there for your consumption and your enjoyment of the whole experience. So, next tenant, you are an author and a character in this absurd story. So, you're the author to your own story, but to anyone else, you're just a character in their story. So, what story do you want to tell, and what character do you want to be? I like to think of it like this. Think of, like, God. <laughs> that's what I do. That's the sound I do for air quotes, uh, because you can't see me making air quotes. So, God. God. <laughs> Uh, or source, I like to call it God's source. Um, think of source as the plot and the setting of a story. Uh, a, a Dungeons and Dragons analogy is appropriate here. Um, you know, basically, the source of all that is is the dungeon master, and you're the conscious character that is co-creating with the source. 
and you develop experience through life and you develop new abilities and then you decide when to employ those abilities for what effect and what outcomes. You know, like we're all observers and creators, passengers and drivers, authors and characters. So utilize that, acknowledge that and, you know, utilize it to its fullest, fullest potential. God, I'm just mixing up all kinds of uh, first letters of words today. <laughs> Next tenant, acknowledge the unseen. So I, my, one of my goals with the reverentism is to bring secular folks into the spiritual fold in a sense. Because if you've heard me talk in past episodes, I believe that humanity has done so much damage in denying and scaring people away from our inherent birthright, which is our own spirituality and our own magic, essentially. Like, we've been robbed of our own magic. And there are practical, like, ways to, you know, there's been a lot of charlatans, there's been a lot of greedy people that rose up in spiritual circles because people are looking for that magic. And this has turned a lot of people away. Me, I was, um, I kind of rejected spirituality for a long time because of just the Christian upbringing that I had. And, you know, it's, but once I started breaking down that barriers, I've realized that this is what I was, I've been missing my entire life is this connection and this exploration of who I truly am. So you don't have to believe in any sort of God or limited interpretation of the entities or energies that operate in the beyond. Uh, I call them the archetypal energies. But to dive into the mystery, you have to accept the possibility, uh, the possible existence of things that you cannot explain or defy conventional and rational explanation as we currently know it. So basically, you just have to be open-minded. There are many things happening behind the veil of what we observe. You know, in, in like that could be illustrated too scientifically of like the visible spectrum of light. We only see like such a tiny sliver of the actual spectrum of what is all around us. And just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there and it's not doing things. Um, you know, and I know like sometimes that argument gets warped into like Christianity and stuff, but you know, and I, I don't hate Christianity if you're just listening. Uh, I, I, I respect it. And it's just when Christianity gets twisted and abused and used as a form of oppression, that's when I have a problem with it. But yeah, uh, but inherent Christian principle, like I'm, all, I'm, I love Jesus and I'm like the Jesus archetype and the message of Jesus is really important to me. And I filter that into my absurdist irreverentism view of life. Um, but anyways, yes. Uh, so these these energies that uh, that are out there, archetypal, like the, you can look at them as like personality archetypes, and you you have a subconscious relationship with these in it, entities, whether you acknowledge it or not. Um, and you don't have to acknowledge it at all. You know, in fact. Uh, part of whatever you're learning from this current lifetime you find yourself in might be built upon not believing in anything past what you can see. Like, no one has to be spiritual, but everyone wants to progress. So what I lay out is, here's this reason, here's the spiritual explanation, and here's a practical explanation. And if you see that the, the two concepts combine and overlap so much so, if you're not afraid of like exploring the thought and making connections and, and, you know, then you start to see a lot of similarities. So which brings me to the next tenet, that spirituality is practicality. Once you're open to exploring different modalities of thinking and ways to define the unseen, you begin to find all sorts of useful tools and practical ways of thinking and being that can help you walk your own path. 
You know, your personal goal is to become the best possible version of yourself that you possibly can, right? So whatever framework or definitions you choose to interface with your own being is entirely up to you. Irreverentism rejects the dogma and limitations of religion, but it does encourage the structure of ritual. Because there's a profound power in personal ritual. And if you really think about it, your whole life is a ritual, actually. Everything that you do on a daily basis is your ritual. But, you know, invent your own rituals. Create your own magic. Have fun with it, you know. And if you don't want to call it magic, just call it your personal program to interface with the universe in the pursuit of success. How about that? You know, like, it's, it's just basically... I believe you're not going to go to hell, like all of this stuff. I think you're just here to learn and grow and experiment and gather as much experience as you can that filters into your over self, like your, your true high self, they call it. And I think that's your infinite cosmic mind. I think that these are just bio suits that we inhabit that anchor us into time space because like kind of like a biomarker, you know, like our consciousness be like projects into our bodies because they they're the dna makeup of our body is linked to our whatever code that our mind has i think our truest self that's why like and maybe there's ways to like biohack or consciousness hack and actually like hack into other bodies we just don't know it you know and maybe that's what's happening when like uh with like addictions and things maybe there's somebody like actually hacking into your mind and you know like because when I was like, when I was uh, addicted to alcohol, like I felt like there was a voice in my hand that was like, drink it, keep drinking, it's never enough. You know, like I really felt like something was in my mind that was outside of myself. And those could be parts of ourselves, but you know, it's fun to think, what if, man? What if there's a, like biohackers or something, you know? And what if we could bio consciousness hack other people? <laughs> Actually writing uh, some some good stories about that stuff, but, you know, fictional stories, but maybe they aren't fiction. I don't know, uh, because I believe, which brings me to my next uh, tenant, distill the truth from our fiction. So check this out. Greg Braden says, consciousness informs creation. And I'm inclined to agree. And also definitely check out Greg Braden's stuff. I, I love that guy, man. He's just like got this big quaffed up hair and he's just like such like a, a goofy like hippie good-natured dude that always has to he always has to say I'm a geologist I'm a geologist like every time you hear him speak because I think he's worried that people won't take him seriously because he also talks about spirituality too but you know he's, he's a good dude check him out he has a bunch of shows on Gaia which also recommend getting a Gaia subscription uh, if you guys don't have one maybe Gaia will sponsor me sponsor me Gaia <laughs> no, uh, they didn't pay me to say that uh, anyways, so yes, consciousness informs creation. So I think that we encrypt deeper truths into the stories we tell ourselves. So from the movies we make to the songs we write, we're giving ourselves the answers to questions that we've yet to ask. Or rather, we've asked the questions, but we have yet to realize that we've been literally singing ourselves the answers. You know, our media is our, is our modern mythologies. You know, where do you think stories come from and what makes a good story? And, and why do certain stories, say Star Wars or The Matrix, like resonate so deeply with so many of us? Could it be that we intuitively know the truth contained in the, con in the concepts presented? You know, like, and also like not even just media, but like our technology. Why do computers work the way they do? And how did we, in how did we invent them? You know, could it be that computers are scale models we built to help us, scale models of the universe that we built to help us understand our own consciousness and reality? You know, we have in fact used them to create our own virtual worlds. 
So, you know, I believe the more we relate computer concepts to ourselves, the more we'll begin to understand who and what we are. I, I'm, that's my next uh, project of, of learning is I'm going to start trying to learn computer code and how computers work because I feel like if I start laying those concepts over people in our own minds, I think I'm going to start seeing a lot of similarities. So if you're a programmer out there or you know how computers work, take that knowledge and think about it like if you overlaid that to the human mind and see what you come up with. You might learn something. But I believe that we have to... Um, we had to develop far enough societally and technologically before we could understand the concept of who we actually are. Because imagine, like, for instance, trying to, I've used this analogy before, but like uh, trying to explain virtual reality to the ancient Greeks. They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, you know, but now, you know, virtual reality can be understood by any eight-year-old that puts on a pair of VR goggles, you know? So now it's like we're getting to the point where we can understand the, these deeper concepts because we've created technology that actually showed us how the universe and, and reality works, man. It's, it's, it's fun stuff to think about. I love it. It's like, it's, there's a deep rabbit hole there that uh, I suggest going down a time or two. <laughs> Next tenant. Science and spirituality are not conflicting concepts. So a lot of the time, like these like science bros start like bashing you for have like being philosophical or being spiritual or open to that. But like they're not. It's you know, it's like, okay, so there was a time when science and spirituality were studied as one and science then ran was studying things that could be observed and spirituality continued to study things that could not. So, of course, science is going to start to seem more legit because they're studying things that are actively, easily observed in the outer world. So, but, you know, and then the metaphysics or magical is less observable and less provable in a sense. Well, not less provable, but, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's vast and it's strange and it's bizarre and it's deep and it's intricate. And it's much more complicated than we understand. You know, basically, technology or magic is just technology that we have yet to replicate you know like fucking you got a phone dude that like you can video chat with somebody across the fucking world like do you know how that works can you explain how that works i can't so to me that's fucking magic man you know like that's we have we have bent the elements together to form a box that has like can do anything you know like holy shit man like that is that's insane that's magic to me uh, and then there's so much more that we can do that we just haven't figured out yet. But I feel like in our lifetime, I think we're going to start to see the emergence of people with special powers that we previously thought were impossible, kind of like real X-Men type stuff. And I believe that that's why the X-Men was, uh, you know, like so resonant with at least my generation. Uh, and it was all that like political, socio-political struggle of like mutants and normal people hating mutants and stuff. And it's like if people start emerging with like telepathy and like can move things with their mind and stuff like that, you know that's what's going to happen. The normal people, well, I, I think anybody can do it. It's just like how you train or maybe what you've studied in your past lives. But anyways, like can you imagine people like flipping their shit that couldn't do that shit? Like humans are fearful, man. So it's, it's interesting that I think we might see something like that in our lifetime. Uh, and that's another thing, like, I'm not afraid to say that, and I'm not afraid to think that, and I don't give a shit if people make fun of me. Like, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's for sure, but I'm not saying it's not, you know? Like, I'd rather live in a world where magic is real than just, uh, you know, a world where 
everything is shitty and we're just meat bags that die and that's it you know fuck that shit <laughs> um i got off on a tangent but you know yeah back to uh science and spiritual like i do not deny science uh, you know like that's you know both both science and spirituality are integral to understanding the whole of who we are as above so below and you can use like micro examples to understand macro concepts you know we are just fractals of the great infinite whole i think each human being is in some form a scale model of the entire universe and i think if we can start applying those concepts human concepts to the universe we might uh, start to learn something there too just as comparing computers to us okay yes speaking of the great infinite whole now that's brings me to the next tenant is the stronger the individual the stronger the collective so on this planet at this point in time space we are obviously going through a transition you know that's that's uh, very clear you know the present moment is a tug of war between the past and the future and you know and you have such a powerful impact on those around you so the more you shine the light of your individual truth the more you help others find theirs the idea is not necessarily to change other people the idea is to live your truth so brilliantly that you light the way for others to discover their own path we might not be able to change the world but we can certainly create a space in which the world can change itself by coming together as a collective to support and encourage ourselves as individuals, we become a self-sustaining society built on finding the inward expression of our unique self and bringing it to an external manifestation of individuality and collective progress. So through the individuals and the collective, we you know, the collective and the individual have to come to a relationship together, a supportive relationship. You know, everyone is most happy when they're just being themselves. You know, like, I love to dance, but then at a certain point in my life, people made fun of me for dancing, and I stopped doing it. Like, how, how much of a shame is that? Like, something that brings so much joy is dancing. You get shit on it for it, and then you stop doing it. You know, like, we should encourage people to be dancing all the fucking time. That's why everyone's so fucking unhappy and clinched up and feeling shitty, because you're apparently you're a weirdo if you dance. You know, like, somehow we found ourselves tangled up in a world that shames anyone on the quest to find who they are. You got purple hair, you know, like you're a weirdo. I wore girls jeans in high school and I never heard the end of it. Grown men every single day of my life were giving me shit. And it's just like, dude, first of all, like, why are you looking at my ass? And second of all, like, fuck you. No, just um, but, but seriously, though, like grown men, like, and it's like now, like, I'm just realizing they were so unhappy with themselves that they they couldn't handle to see somebody embracing in themselves. It's very triggering for other people that are unhappy with themselves to see somebody actually embrace their own happiness. And if you look at it that way, it makes things a lot easier to handle. And you should always be living your individual truth to the fullest, man. Um, you know, we can untangle this human mess, but we have to come together. You know, each vision, each idea carries its own gravity. And the more mass an idea develops, the more gravity it has. We decide the world we live in, not the other way around. Once you dig deep enough in the quest for yourself, you break through to see the ties that bind us all. You see that, that fabric, that, that oneness that, that we're all a part of. We're not separate from. We are, we are essentially separate manifestations of the whole, but we are the whole. And, you know, and it is in the quest for self that one finds the truth that we are all one. So find yourself to find the all.
And, you know, I believe that a problem cannot exist without a solution. And, you know, this irreverentism makes this nonsensical world make sense to me, you know? And like I said before, even if I end up being the only irreverentist that is, uh, you know, it's merely a structure I've built to help me understand the world. And if it makes sense to you too, then maybe you're an irreverentist. Uh, if not, you know, I only hope that I've said something that opens the door to your own quest for understanding. And, you know, basically, don't take life too seriously. You know, everything is absolutely absurd. Even what's happening right now. I am speaking. My throat is like jiggling around, creating vibrations that my brain encoded meaning into that is going into a microphone that is being recorded, that is being sent all over the world, that is then being like taken to your ears, which vibrates your eardrums, which then imparts the meaning that I'm putting into these sound waves into your brain. And then it paints a picture and then you understand. What That's fucking absurd. Like, are you kidding me? Like... And then you can start doing that with anything, like eating. Like we take bits of things and like, especially like other living things and we chomp them around in our mouth and mash it up. We swallow it and it goes to a sack of acid in our gut that just, it breaks it down and dissolves it. And then somehow our body knows how to take all those little pieces and then put them where they need to go to keep us fucking operating. Is that not absurd? You could go for like sex. Holy shit, that's fucking weird. We got these like weird things between our our legs and they, they drive us for the desire and then we put them inside of each other and then liquids combine and then a fucking vessel forms that a new mind can enter and then that grows up and it, like, what the shit, man? <laughs> like, come on, everything is absolutely absurd and when you break it down and you really think about Think about any process past your just subconscious participation in the process. You'll realize how absurdly amazing and magical everything is. And if you have taken one thing from this entire episode, and please just know that the fucking magic is real and it's alive and well and be yourself. Oh. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And like I said, I'm going to do my best to get back on the episodes every Monday. And uh, you can find me on social medias at Sig Neutron on, um, you know, on the uh, on the Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and then also catch me sculpting and doing fun things live. Sometimes I film live episodes of Sputron on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Sig Neutron. Uh, also, check out our YouTube because I've been making a lot uh, a lot more videos. I made a video for I Want to Punch Time in the Face um, for some of the Sputron songs. And I'm probably going to make a video for Wang Dangle Dingles, too. As you can catch it on YouTube.com slash Rancig, R-A-N-C-I-G. And if you want to support uh, my creative endeavors even more, then you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Rancig, where you'll get access to bonus content, uh, effects, how-to videos. I show you how to do sculpting. I show you how to do makeups. Uh, and those are all videos that you can't get anywhere else except on the Patreon. And also we do like fun, weird, sexy monster photo shoots and all kinds of like cuckoo bananas weirdo shit. So... Um, yeah, thank you guys. And if this episode resonated with you, uh, please show it to somebody else that you can think that, that might need uh, 
a different outlook on the world. Like, I'm not trying to change anybody. I'm just trying to offer you guys new ways to look at things and uh, in the pursuit of a better world for all of us. So thank you guys and sending all the, the radical, awesome love vibes out to all of you. So remember, oh shit, I, I have forgotten. Uh, what's my usual outro? Uh, remember, oh, stay weird, stay open-minded, and if you're not looking, you're not going to find it. <laughs> there, I remember.